thinking about some of the things. I thought, what are the things that I would encourage someone to do when they graduate from high school and they move on? And one of the things that I thought was, there are things that we fight for. There are things that we, we have to seek strongly. And in fact, in our passage today, in Acts chapter 2, which is where we're going to look, it talks about in, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, it says, and they devoted themselves. And that idea of devotion to is a key idea. It's, a, it's an idea of being faithful. It's an idea of intensity. It's an idea of abiding. It's an idea of uh, setting your mind and, and moving toward and not being dissuaded from. And I was thinking, what are some of those things that Scripture encourages us to be devoted to? Before we get into this passage, what are some other things that Scripture encourages us to be devoted to? One of those I found in, in Proverbs, I've known for years, Proverbs 22.1. In Proverbs 21, 22.1, it talks about a good name being better than gold and riches. And I was thinking about the fact that my dad told me, son, I have given you a good name. I've passed that on to you. I want to, I want to encourage you to pass that on to the next generation. I want to encourage you to pass it on to your son. And then he passes it on uh, to the next generation. And I was thinking, wow, a good name. It's better than gold and riches. If people trust you, if people respect you, if people know you and they know that you're good to your word, that's going to mean more to you in the future than what money you have at present. Um, another one is just good health, and that's something certainly that we're made very aware of during this COVID uh, period of our lives, that we need to keep our health strong. We need to have strong immune systems as strong as we can. I know that I'm taking extra vitamin C and, and, and vitamin E and, and some uh, vitamin B and, and just different things and trying to keep myself healthy. And, and that's so important for all of our life. I was thinking about the fact that we need to have good friends. There's a friend, Proverbs says, that's six closer than a brother. There are people that are going to be close to us that we need to, to be able to talk to. Uh, I know that some of our seniors even talked about that how, uh, idea of family, the idea of friends, and how important that is in our lives, that we have people that we can talk to, that we can run things through, that, we can, that they can be a sounding board for us, that they can be counselors to us. In a, in a multitude of counselors, there's wisdom. And so having those people around us that we respect and trust and know that are going to love us listen to us, and tell us the truth. A good education. Many of you guys are going on to get college degrees and EMT training and other things, and I'm so proud of that. I, 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 we need to be lifelong learners, always learning, always growing in what we know. Another is having a good attitude. I know that uh, I remember reading a quote years ago that 10% of what happens to us, we have no control over. 90% of what happens to us is our attitude about what happened. And we can control our attitude. And, and I think about the fact that, that if we control that attitude, that it completely changes our life and it changes our world. Another is, is that we seek always a good church to gather with. That is so crucial to us in, to our, in terms of our spiritual lives. So many times we think about our financial future, or we think about our, our uh, friendships or, or what we own or those kinds of things, but our spiritual life is so crucial. It's so important. It's so much a part of us, and we don't always think about that. 
And so we need to, to, to always think about the idea of gathering. And of course, today is a day to think about that. Lingle just talked about what are we going to do and when are we going to gather? And we ask those questions. And I don't know if you're feeling the same thing I am, but man, I can't wait till we gather. I remember hearing one of our seniors saying, I'm never going to uh, say a bad thing about school again. I'm mean, looking forward to being around friends, right? And so I think about this idea of gathering. We were made for one another. We were made to be with one another. We were made to interact with one another. We were made as social beings and we need to, to, um, to seek for that and to fight for that. And so I thought of these different things that we need to make focuses of our lives, things that we're devoted to, that we're going to seek after, and we're not going to just put on the back burner or put on a, an alternate list, but that's going to be on our main list in our lives. I was thinking about the fact that a lot of the, uh, in, in a lot of history, the church has had to fight to gather. It's not something that's come easy. Uh, in fact, in 64 AD, Nero began to persecute Christians and blame them for the burning of Rome. And so there was a lot of crucifixions. We see uh, Paul uh, uh, beheaded. We see Peter crucified upside down. Uh, we see significant things happening only 30 years after the death of Christ that made it hard to gather. Even the original church in the very beginning in Jerusalem, they're beginning to identify with this Jesus who's been crucified as a criminal in, in Jerusalem. And they're identifying with him. And that puts some, uh, a target on them. And I think about how they had to fight for that. They were fearful. They had their doors locked. They were concerned about what would happen to them. I think about what happened in communism in 1949 and, 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 and into our present day and how that's impacted people gathering. I know in the church in China, the, uh, they, I read recently about a, a pastor who started an online service much like this one and after 20 minutes it was cut off by the government. And so they don't even have the ability to meet in some of the ways that we do with the freedoms that we have. I know in northern India, I've talked to a number of different people about how their churches are being persecuted and they're, and they're a little bit fearful that the government's going to come in and, and begin to question them. Um, and I think about this virus, how it, it, it causes us not to be able to gather. And I think, wow, we, it's something that we always need to know that our default is going to be to scatter and we need to pursue and be devoted to gathering because God has created us for such as this. He's created us. In fact, the reason that we don't have, I don't have all the spiritual gifts is so that I will need the gift that you have. I really miss your spiritual gift right now. I want to, you to know that because some of you have the gift of encouragement. Some of you have the gift of teaching. Some of you have the gift of giving. And, and these different gifts, they, they stir me on. They, they stir my spirit and my heart when I'm around you. And so I was thinking about the fact that we need to, to be devoted to gathering. That's one of the aspects of, of our lives that, that is so important. I remember hearing a story years ago about a man who was hurt somehow by the church. And uh, he, the pastor wasn't sure exactly what had happened, but he, he went over to this, his friend's house. And the, and the guy was upset enough that he didn't even want to speak to the pastor. And so they sit together in front of the fire. And uh, they weren't saying anything. They were just sitting together. And the pastor took the fireplace poker and he pulled one of the coals out from the fire and then he put it back. 
uh, the, the fireplace poker back and the coal just sat there by itself and it just began to grow cold and the rest of the fire was blazing and that that one coal by itself began to get colder and colder and he didn't say anything he got up and left and the guy got the message and the message was please don't stay alone if you stay alone you'll you'll lose the the essence and the heat and the fire and the flame of your of your faith and it, and and that tendency will happen cuz god has designed us for one another we all need one another to encourage one another to stir up one another that's what hebrews 10 talks about i was thinking about the fact that you know what are some of the things that causes us to default to separation well, one thing is being hurt like this story I told you. And another thing is that, that we have questions about our faith that haven't been answered satisfactorily for us. And, and so we think, well, there must not be answers. And the reality is we, maybe we just haven't talked to the right person. I know that when I went to, to Dallas Seminary, I was, I was going thinking I was going to get all my questions answered. And I realized there's a lot more questions than I ever understood. And yet there's a lot of great answers that I never knew and that some of my pastors before didn't have the answers for either. In Proverbs 18, verse 17, Solomon says, The one who states his case first seems right until another comes and examines him. And so when we read a blog and it sounds right, we need to exercise reserved judgment. I would encourage you to get that word, that phrase in your vocabulary, reserved judgment, that we exercise reserved judgment and that we're not going to make a decision and we, and we begin to seek other answers. We begin to seek, okay, what's the, what's the weakness of this position? And you'll find that, that there's some great answers out there that, that really strengthen your faith. As I've studied I haven't just studied uh, uh, those who agree with me I've studied others as well and 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 my mind works in such a way that I want to know more and I want to know what the other side is thinking and and what I've found in my life is that if I exercise reserved judgment on my questions sometimes a year or two years I, I can't quite get the answer to a question and then I find it then I find a person who who understands that or can direct me to where the answer might be and it's been so satisfying in my life I want you to know at Mansfield Bible Church we love you guys not only our seniors, but all of our students. Not only our students, but all of our congregation. We are here for you. And we have answers that, that we've studied and we want to be able to pass along to you. And so if you have some questions about your faith and you think, I probably shouldn't ask this question, ask the question. And I may or may not have the answer or one of our other elders may or may not have the answer, but there are good answers there. And we will help you find what you're seeking. And so when I think about our seniors graduating, some of the things that I thought about is find a good church, a good place to gather all your life. Make that a devotional commitment for you. Fight for the good things that we talked about, fighting for a good name, fighting for um, uh, your... Um, uh, just each of the things that uh, I mentioned, uh, I'll have to look here at my list. Uh, but I would encourage you to, to seek these things, good health, good friends, good education, uh, a good attitude, that you seek those things and you exercise reserved judgment when you come across troubling issues. 
Because as we grow, as we grow as believers in Christ, those are crucial facets. And we need to be a devotional community that are devoted to these things, that we will not stray from them, they will not go aside from them, that we will seek after these, and we don't put them as, as subsets uh, or unimportant things in our lives. Those become the important things. Well, as we look at Acts chapter 2, we see that the early church devoted themselves to four different things. There were four things that they began to see the need for and to see the need to be able to, to go after. One was, it says, the apostles' teaching. So they needed to seek the apostles' teaching. Now, uh, the, the scriptures they didn't have at this point. In fact, they were... They were um, just now being written. They had the Old Testament, but not the New. And, and the New Testament was being written even as, as these things were happening. And in, in about 60 AD, a number of the books of the Bible of the New Testament were being written at that point. And so this, this devotional community is one that's committed to the Word of God. They're committed to what God is teaching them. Now we get a little glimpse of this teaching in Acts chapter 20 from the Apostle Paul. Another vignette, another little picture of how the service looked. Now the question that we need to ask ourselves even before we get into that text is just because the early church did these things, is that the way the 21st century church is supposed to look? I mean, that's been the question for a lot of years as, as people have looked at Acts chapter 2, if they've looked at Acts chapter 20, does the, does the 21st century church need to look this way? Well, they were going through some things. There were some transitional things that they went through that, that we don't face. They still had the apostles present. They didn't have the New Testament canon completed yet. Um, they still had signs and wonders that we'll see in verse uh, 43. And it says, And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done among the, uh, through the apostles. They were having these things, and you think, well, why were these signs and wonders being done? The author of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews chapter 2 that these signs and wonders were being done in order to confirm the message. That God was confirming the message to them by signs and wonders and a great variety of miraculous gifts uh, distributed according to his will. These things were, were proving the message, were proving the resurrection of Jesus. And so those things were happening that aren't necessarily happening in our day. Um, and so you look at this idea of the, this devotional community and you realize there are some things that they were going through. They were going through persecution. And so persecution typically forces people into house churches uh, uh, and underground churches. They were meeting in the catacombs during the time of, of the Romans. Uh, uh, they were uh, from actually from 64 AD to 313, the Edict of Milan, Christianity was an outlawed religion. And so they couldn't meet publicly and, and so they had to meet house to house and they didn't have the, the technological uh, uh, apparatus to be able to, to meet the way that we're meeting and so they really had to struggle. They really had to sneak to be over at each other's place and yet they fought together. 
I think about uh, communist China whenever uh, in 1949 they ran off all the missionaries and, and in Russia as well they, they were burning Bibles and, and, and people were sneaking Bibles into these countries and, and, and the church was fighting together so much so that they were growing in number. In, in 1949 they, uh, they thought that there might be about a million known believers and, and by 1980s they thought there might be 8 million believers and you think it grew in the time that the church was outlawed and I think wow what a powerful thing that the word of God is not shackled and it continues to go forth because they were fighting and devoted to gathering and so I think about in northern India in our own day just these different times where people are fighting to gather and I think we need to do the same and I know that some of you are longing to gather even now and we're not trying to put that off but that we, we want to meet, but we want to do it in a wise manner, in a way that would be honoring to our Heavenly Father. Well, in Acts chapter 20, we get this second vignette, the second picture of the church. And we see in Acts chapter 20, verse 7, it says, On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together, so there's that idea of gathering again, they were gathered together to break bread. Paul talked with them, intending to depart on the next day. And he prolonged his speech until midnight. And I think, wow, I don't know that our church would be as tolerant of me speaking till midnight. But uh, they, they spoke till midnight. It says, there were many lamps in the upper room where they were gathered. And a young man named Eutychus sitting at the window sank into a deep sleep as Paul talked still longer. And the NIV says, as he talked on and on. So here was this ongoing, he was going past midnight and this guy was trying to stay awake. He falls asleep, falls out the window and he dies. It says, and being overcome by sleep, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. But Paul went down and bent over to him and take him in, into his arms said, do not be alarmed for his life is in him. And when Paul had gone up and had broken bread and eaten, had conversed with them a long while until daybreak. So he went all night long, all the way till daybreak. And then they had uh, communion together. Then they ate together. Uh, it says, and, they de and so departed. And they took the youth away alive and were not a little comfort comforted. They were greatly comforted by this. And so you see in this, this other vignette, you see them gathering to have communion, the apostles' teaching, so the breaking of bread uh, as well, prayer for him to, uh, for Eutychus, signs and wonders. So there were a lot of those things were still going on in Acts chapter uh, 20 that we see in Acts chapter 2. And it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And I was thinking, we need the word of God in our lives. The word of God, there is so much that God promises us. And, and that means that we just need to read the word together. I was thinking about one of our small groups and how they just made a commitment to just read the scriptures together and then talk about what they were learning. And they said their times have become so rich and so powerful. And, and it's going to be that way when we spend time in God's word. Because God says in Isaiah 55, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. And so, uh, how are our thoughts going to become like his thoughts? Well, we've got to read his thoughts after him. These are his thoughts. The word of God are the thoughts of God. And we need to read his word. We need to uh, understand that Romans 12.2 says, Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so our minds are going to be renewed how? By reading the word of God. 
In fact, there's a promise that if we read the God, uh, God's word in Isaiah 55, it says, it will not return. In fact, he says, as the rain and snow come down from heaven, verse 10, and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. God's word comes with a promise. So we read his word. It's going to accomplish what God desires in our life. And I would say, man, we need to, we need to camp on that promise. James says there's a blessing to the one not only reads and hears the word, but actually does it. He says that person will be blessed in what he does. And so if we want blessing from God, it's promised through his word. Let's read his word. Let's be devoted like this original community, uh, the very first believers, that they were, a, they were committed to the apostles' teaching. They were also committed to fellowship. And that involves more than just getting together and talking sports and stuff. I mean, that stuff's great. But it also means that we have spiritual conversations. And you may be a little uncomfortable with spiritual conversations, but those are incredibly rich because we have a spiritual side of us that many times that we don't address. And so we take those times and we get involved in those groups where we can do that. And what that means is being part of a small group, being part of a house group that meets in a home that, uh, or meets on Zoom right now, but has the opportunity to ask questions and talk to one another about the word of God. You read it and you say, what did you think about this? This raised this question for me. And they say, yeah, it raised it for me too. And I, I did this research. Here's what I found. And somebody else say, yeah, here's what I found. And, and, you, and you meditate on the word together, the word of God together. And so that means getting involved in, in small group. We have a new small group that's actually forming uh, a Zoom group. If you will go to our website and go to our small group section, you'll find that Greg Lingle is starting a new small group and, and would love to have you join him. And so I would encourage you, join his small group. Group. Just at least say, hey, I'm interested, tell me more. And, and when you go uh, to, the, to the website, and then he'll follow up and, and talk to you a little bit about what he's thinking, about what he's planning. Uh, and that'll be a great small group to be a part of. Well, the third thing is the breaking of bread, that they shared communion together, that they had this time that they, that they broke uh, uh, they remembered the Lord's death, his resurrection, that his blood was shed for the new covenant the new covenant that Jeremiah talks about that no longer the law, but it's going to be by grace and, and this idea of grace and this idea of salvation simply by faith in Jesus. And so breaking of bread, the Lord's table always reminds us of that. And then you ask, you ask the question, well, how often should we do that? And, and uh, all Paul says in 1 Corinthians is whenever you drink it. All Jesus said is whenever you do it. And so it, there's no set time. The early church, yeah, some, they, they did it sometimes daily, sometimes week to week. Uh, but we see that they uh, uh, were able to, to spend that time together just remembering what Christ had done. Not forgetting, remembering. It's so easy to forget. The gospel is central to all that we do. The breaking of bread and to prayer. That we pray Prayer is so powerful. If you don't remember Greg Lingle's series on prayer, I would go encourage you to go back and, and listen to that series. It will stir your heart about prayer and about our need to talk to the Lord because in a relationship, you need hearing, listening, and talking. And if we're going to talk and listen to the Lord, we need to read his word, listening, and then we need to talk to him, prayer. 
And that begins this dynamic, not a static relationship. He's not just some object to be studied. He is, he is a, a person. He is a, a, a being that he wants to relate to us. And so we need to relate to him. And we relate by reading his word, by talking to him in prayer. They were committed to these things, but they were also a very generous congregation. It says, and they were selling their possessions, verse 45, and belongings and distributing the needs, the proceeds to all as any had need. And you look at that and you think, oh, is that the beginnings of communism or, or communal living or whatever? And you think, no, it's, it's really not because it wasn't distributed evenly to each person. It was distributed unevenly to only those who had need. And so they were selling all things in common. You also find that as you, as you read this, you think, are we all supposed to give away everything that we have? God doesn't ask us to do that. He asks us to be generous and ready to share. You see that in 1 Timothy 6. And so why were they giving away everything? We even see Barnabas selling a piece of land. I mean, they're selling uh, their, their, their assets and, and giving everything to the church and but you got to go back and realize what time was this? This was in the first century, the very first church, and the church needed money to spread. And it spread all over the known world. And it spread all over the known world because this first church sold everything they had. And they were poor after that. You'll begin to read through the New Testament and you'll see that, that Paul was taking offerings and collections for the poor in Jerusalem. Why was he having to do that? Because they had given everything. And in fact, in Romans chapter 15 and verse 26 and 27, uh, we see that, that Paul was, uh, uh, and I don't know if we have that verse, if you can throw that up there, but uh, uh, 26, uh, is it 26 and 27? Grab the one right before this one. Yes. Uh, it says, for Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. Then the very next verse, verse 27 says they were pleased to do it and indeed they owe it to them. You think, why do they owe it to them? For if the Gentiles have shared in the Jews spiritual blessings, they owe it to the Jews to share with them the material blessings. The Gentiles understood the reason that we're believers in Jesus right now is because these people gave everything, everything they had so that we could have this, the message, so that we could be spiritually blessed and have eternal salvation. And so they were glad to give. This was a, an unusual time where, where people knew they needed to sell everything out in order for the progress of the gospel to go forth. And I praise God for them. We're believers today because of this early church being so generous and so sacrificial. And God asked us to be in the same way generous as, as, as Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 6. He says, urge the, the rich in this present world to be, be generous and ready to share, to enjoy what God has given them, but to be rich in, in, in blessing others. He goes on and says in verse uh, uh, 46, it says, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. And so they were meeting large groups, small group. It wasn't just in the homes. They were meeting in the temple as well. Now they were transitioning. They were transitioning from, from Judaism to Christianity. And so they were, they were still, but they were still meeting in the temple. And so you had 3,000 
the first day, in fact, you'll see that in, in uh, uh, the, right before our passage in verse 41, it says 3,000 souls were added. And then you see in, in verse uh, 47, added uh, day by day, added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. And then in chapter four, in verse four, it says, but many of those who heard the word believed and the number of the men came to about 5,000. And so, I mean, the early church is just growing like crazy. And so they were meeting large group in the temple and the teaching was going on there, but then they were also meeting house to house. And it's something that we need to think about is that we always need to be gathered as the large group, but also in the house group, the small group. Those are, those, that's crucial to our faith to have both things going on. The small group where we can really get to know one another, the large group where we can be encouraged and excited about what God is doing overall uh, in, uh, among us. And so when I look at this this. What, what's happening here in this first century church, I think there are some things that we can take away from here. One is that we're devoted to these four essential things in our lives. The apostles' teaching, which we have in the word of God. So we're committed to the word of God that we'll read it every day of our lives. You'll find great encouragement there when you're struggling, when you're struggling with discouragement and lack of hope. Hope is here in these pages. Encouragement is here in these pages. Challenge is also here in these pages. And we'll begin to think God's thoughts after him. We'll begin to be blessed by him because his word carries that promise of blessing. There's the idea of fellowship, that we're committed to that, that we're committed to gathering together, that we're committed to, to the Lord's uh, supper together, and that we're committed to praying. And that as we do those things, as we do those things, as we are generous with all that we have, and that, that we are meeting together, then God will begin to work in our lives in ways that will spiritually change us. Our thoughts will amazingly become more like his thoughts. Our ways will become more like his ways. Because his desire in us, in every one of us, not just our seniors, in every one of us, is for us to be more like Jesus. Paul said, my little children, with whom I am again in labor until Christ is formed in you. That's why he asked us to gather. Gathering places, one of those places where we, our hearts, are drawn toward him. Don't let anything cause you to scatter. Always fight for gathering. A little virus, it causes it to scatter only for a time. There will be those seasons but that we need to fight and, and seek and look forward to those times when we'll be gathered together again. Because as we seek him, as we follow him, he will transform our lives and one day you'll wake up and go, wow, I used to not think this. I used to not do this. I used to not be as generous. And you'll realize God's been working in your heart. And he's been transforming your heart from a heart that just focuses on you to a heart of worship. And he's truly worthy of our worship. Father, we come to you this morning and we thank you for your word. We thank you how it challenges and stirs our hearts. I pray that we would be a devotional community devoted to your word, devoted to prayer, talking to you, listening to you, devoted to gathering together because we are the bride of Christ and you've called us to be united together, to gather together. And Lord, I can't wait until that moment when you are here among us and we are here with one another. Lord, what a... What an incredible combination that is. 
And I look forward to that day. And until then, Father, I pray that you would encourage our people, that you would stir their hearts, that you would give them a continued longing to be together. Father, I, I, I look forward to what you're going to do. I pray that you would give us wisdom as to know when we're supposed to gather next and how. Give us the wisdom for that. Help us to be wise as we wait. We're waiting on you, Lord. We're waiting for your direction. And Father, I know that there's churches even today that have jumped out and, 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 and are meeting this morning. I pray for your protection for them. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to learn from them things not to do and things to do. And Lord, we pray for your grace, your blessing. Pray for health for our people, that you would watch over them. And we pray these things in Jesus' precious name and all the people of God said, amen.